0: Help keep Kinks and Beats Daily alive with a $4 monthly contribution and receive exclusive bonus episodes as our thank you to you. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more details. Hello, hello. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 197. Thank you for downloading yet again. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. You've got a lot of catching up to do. If you are a regular downloader, thank you for your support. Um, All of you, though, please make sure you swing by iTunes and like. uh, No, you don't like on iTunes. You subscribe on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us get in front of more listeners. And um, the more listeners we have, the more fun this is to do. Also, if you like what we're doing here, um, consider throwing in four dollars a month to help offset the costs of actually producing this podcast. You can do that at herohabit.com slash shop. And then since some of you guys don't listen to the very end, don't forget we have a new Twitter handle at Kinks and Beats. We have a Facebook group, um Facebook.com slash groups slash Kinks and Beats. And you can always get a hold of me either by email, kinks and at herohabit.com or by voicemail nine two five. Four nine four one right, moving on to our songs. Today we're talking about Living in the Material World, which was released May 30th, 1973, as the title track to George Harrison's second proper studio album. It's his fourth solo album, if you count Wonderwall and Electronic Noise, which were experimental pieces in a, in a movie soundtrack. And it's his fifth if you throw in the Concert for Bangladesh soundtrack, which is a live album. So George has been very busy. He did All Things Must Pass, which is a triple album. Then he does the concert for Bangladesh, which takes up you know, a, long, a, a big amount of his time. He finally comes in in 1973, and he's going to record um, a new album, his follow-up to All Things Must Pass. And I've always enjoyed this song and this album. As much as we all say that All Things Must Pass is Harrison's masterpiece, this album is probably my favorite of his. Uh, it's the one I return to the most often. Um, You know, it's just one of the, I just love this album. It's much more understated, obviously, but there's some really fantastic music on this album. Just really amazing stuff. This track closes the first side of the LP, um, and it's got some tongue-in-cheek references to Beatles fans, but it's it's essentially, he's kind of comparing this material world, and he's not talking about money as much as he's talking about Physical world, material, as in things he can touch, um, and then his spiritual world. And so, in the, he's talking about these two very different topics. There are two basic sections to this song. There's the list of material world things that frustrate Harrison. You know, he's got to use my body like a car, taking me both near and far, and all that kind of stuff, which is set to a rock groove. And then he explores the spiritual side of himself and shifts the song into an Indian groove. And it's very quiet and pastoral and and you know there's a lot of indian classical music on you know instruments over and flutes and stuff like that um it was pretty rare for harrison to explicitly use indian music on his solo work in this way you know he regularly utilized some of the techniques in his songwriting you know in his timing and the drones and all that kind of stuff Um, but the brief moments of indian interlude work perfectly because you've got this driving rock groove that's kind of loud and, and and relentless. And then you've got this pastoral, reflective moment, you know, that breaks up that song. Interestingly, though, even though it doesn't feel like it, the tempo never changes. It feels like it really slows down. But it's all in the change of instrumentation and the, and the just general, you know, ambiance of the sound that makes it feel like it's actually slowing down. All throughout the track is some amazing musicianship. George plays uh, just a stinging slide solo. His guitar work all over this song is, is fantastic. Um, you know, he's trading off with Jim Horn on saxophone. And you have a rhythm section that includes Klaus Warman on bass, um, as we all know, one of my favorite bass players, Nicky Hopkins on piano, Gary Wright on organ, and both Ringo and Jim Keltner on drums. This is an unbelievable lineup of musicians, like the dream team. Um, I've said many times, this song demands to be played just about as loud as you can handle it, if not a shade louder. Because all the craziness of the rock section comes to a cool end um, when they shift the groove into this blues-like turnaround. And and it just sounds so good live. If you're, if you're trying to play it live, it's a pretty slick transition. So the groove in on a straight four, I'm gonna try to do it here. Um, just got this one and two and three and one two and three and four and then they turn it into a twelve eight but they keep the pulse the same so you can keep tapping your foot but now there's a triplet so we've gone from one and two and three and four and all right so then um So now instead of having two eighth notes between each tap of your foot, you've got three notes. You've got a triplet there. You know, triplet, triplet, triplet. And then they shift into a shuffle with a slight retard. So they're going one and two and three and four and one. So he's kind of shifting through these three different kind of grooves, but he never changes the tempo. There is a slight retard When they go into the shuffle, but it's not as much as it feels, and it's a cool effect because it feels like the song is coming to a screeching halt, but in reality, it it ends just a few clicks slower than it started. Um, And then you know you've got that, you know that just kind of that was not the chords at all, but you know it's just that very bluesy end to a not bluesy song at all. So um, for the Beatles references. That I mentioned earlier, the tongue-in-cheek bit. Um, we have kind of a clever verse where he um, he sings, "Met them all here in the material world, John and Paul here in the material world. Though we started out quite poor, we got Richie on the tour. Of course, Richie is Ringo, his real name Richard Starkey, and um, it's also uses a bit of a pun for money. You know, we got rich on the tour. But what makes the verse more clever to me? It's not the name check or the pun on Rich. Um, But immediately after he sings We Got Richie on the Tour, the band drops out completely and Ringo plays a fill that couldn't possibly be more Ringo-esque. If you were to go to a drummer and, say, play something like Ringo, they would probably play this exact fill. Not even knowing. So that's kind of a, a, a clever little bit of music. There is a bootleg of this session for this album. I think it's Living in the Alternate World or Alternative World or something like that. Um, Some of it you can find on YouTube if you know what to search for. If you listen to the instrumental version of this song, and you can find this on YouTube, it's uh, Living in the Material World Outtake, I believe. Um, They've got the instrumental version, and it's an early take or an unedited take, I don't know. Um, And you can hear that the rock band actually had an arrangement for the soft Indian section. So the entirety of this track was performed as one piece. And not edited together after the fact because it'd be real easy for you to think that they edited the Indian interludes in, but they were all done as one continuous piece. And what's really cool about the bootleg is it highlights how freaking good this band was. Um, you can also hear more prominently the two individual drum tracks um, because each drummer is panned to either side of the stereo spectrum. I think Ringo's on the left. Um, and he's the the one doing most of the fills just based on what the fills actually are. Um, because a lot of them, they just, they have some trademark Ringo bits to them. And I think Jim Keltner is doing the more like the get back dunk, tuk-a-dunk, tuk-a-dunk, that, that groove underneath it. I could be wrong about that. And I will probably never know for sure, but I am pretty sure that Ringo is doing the bulk of the Phil's and Keltner's doing the bulk of the, just the groove. This is a great track. One of Harrison's few straight ahead rockers. And um, I don't know if I mentioned it, arguably one of the best groupings of musicians to ever appear on a Beatles solo project. I dare you to give me a better lineup than this. I mean, I have Nicky Hopkins and Gary Wright playing keys. Alone is enough before you throw in Keltner and Ringo and Klaus, this is an incredible lineup of musicians. Um, if you have thoughts, like I said, give me a call 925-494-1739 and, um, or hit us up on the, on the group. So let's get a discussion going. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Don't forget five-star rating and review on iTunes, and I will talk to you next time.